Ontario reported 257 new cases of COVID-19 on Monday. And numbers are continuing to drop. But as Chris Creston pointed out, when you look a bit closer at the numbers, uh, they're a bit troubling. 177 of those cases were in Windsor, Essex, who are, by the way, testing right now. It's very targeted. They're migrant farm workers. Public Health said at one farm, which employs about 450 workers, um, that is the source of 175 of those 177 cases. Now, that's alarming. These recent outbreaks are concerning. They pose unique challenges that require a targeted response, according to Ontario's Associate Medical Officer of Health, uh, Dr. Barbara Yaffe. And as you know, three temporary farm workers from Mexico have passed from COVID-19. Over a thousand migrant workers have tested positive in Ontario since the start of pan- the pandemic. And advocates are now sounding the alarm. They have been calling on the Ontario government to shut down the agricultural sector. Now, they say that the industry must immediately cease production. As a society, we must demand that the interests of workers are paramount, nonprofits not the profits of a billion-dollar industry. And our message to the province and feds are stop murdering migrants by your inactions. Sylvain Charlebois is a professor of food policy and distribution at Dalhousie University. He joins the show. Sylvain, welcome to the program. Good to have you on. Well, thank you. Okay, first of all, we know that this is going on in Windsor-Essex. Now, that is problematic when one farm has um, 175 out of the 177 positive cases for the day. Uh, What's grown in the Windsor-Essex region? Everything, really. Uh, Southern Ontario is is a rich uh, place uh, for horticulture, mainly. Uh, So you can think of tomatoes, cucumbers, lettuce. I mean, there are a lot of things being grown there. A lot of these things, uh, when uh, when they're uh, when it is seeded, uh, when it is harvested, uh, it, it it requires a lot of manual labor, which is why migrant workers play such a critical role uh, on these farms, just to make sure that they that uh, that these uh, these products are harvested properly, efficiently. Uh, very quickly, and uh, and these people know how to do it uh, very well, and that's why over the years we've actually seen uh, an increasing number of migrant workers coming into the region. Is that the only reason that we see more migrant workers, or is is there something else come into play? Something maybe a little more sinister? They're just not getting paid what Canadians would do the work for. Actually, if uh, I know a lot of people may think that uh, that migrant workers uh, are, are cheap labor, not not necessarily. I mean, these people are do earn a good salary. Uh, they're uh, they they get room and board uh, along with the salary. Now, the room and board part seems to be the problem <laughs> in, in, with COVID. Uh, as you know. Um, um, many of these migrant workers uh, do uh, sleep in bunk houses. Uh, bunk houses weren't an issue before COVID, but now they are. And, and and some of these workers do transit together. They socialize together. There's little no mon- monitoring going on. Um, the Ontario Federation of Agriculture uh, is on record of saying that farmers should be doing more to make right. sure that uh, that COVID doesn't spread. Well. When you look at the numbers, uh, there's there's something wrong. There's something definitely wrong going on. Well, the living conditions that you brought up, um, there was a guy that spoke on a condition of anonymity to one of the 
uh, papers I was reading, uh, he said uh, living conditions make it nearly impossible to contain the virus. We have rooms that are three meters by three meters, four people sleeping in beds that are a very poor condition, mattresses that are used and spent and bedding that's in bad conditions. Um, so I don't think a lot of Canadians would do that. I wonder, and this is just a, a question, and I, I don't, I don't even know if it's in your purview, but if the government wouldn't be uh, well suited to going into these farms and helping out the farmers by saying, "Look, at, we're going to pay for proper living conditions and set them up in a way uh, that is safe, so that this never, this doesn't happen again, and our food security is not put into question." Yeah, most people may not remember, but three months ago, or at least. I think more than three months ago, the federal government actually, the first thing they did was to provide support to farmers, to uh, financial support to farmers to accommodate uh, migrant workers. Uh, well, what so happened? Three months ago may sound like a lifetime right now, <laughs> but there, there was money uh, put forward to help farmers uh, uh, increase uh, living conditions. Bunk houses, like I said, bunk houses weren't a problem before COVID, but they became a problem with with the pandemic, and so adjustments were required, and not only with uh, with living arrangements, but with machinery as well. In in some cases, like I'm thinking about like asparagus or or strawberries, you you need people working and planting right beside each other, and so you need plexiglass and you need to modify machinery. There was money put forward. To, to do that, and so that's why I'm wondering why weren't uh, why some of these adjustments weren't made by some farms, and that's why I think that the Ontario Farm Federation of, of Agriculture is is outlining some shortcomings uh, coming from their members. Okay, well, what are the consequences of a complete shutdown of the agricultural sector in Ontario when it comes to f- food security? Let's talk about even a couple of weeks. Do we have any, uh, you know, uh, metrics to measure that at all? Do we know what that would look like? Because that's what people are asking for. No, but I, I would say it would be, uh, it would be. I, I would say that it would be too extreme to do that. I mean, we have to think about the whole of all the all of the resources. That are that are taken to grow uh, the commodities. I mean, you're talking about millions and millions of dollars worth of inventory ingredients. We eventually will need as consumers. So you can literally compromise the food security of Canadians if you do that. And so I, I would say it would be a measure of last resort. Now that being said. What's at stake right now is is not only the lives of, of workers on farms, but it's it's Canada's reputation abroad. I mean, uh, if you're, we've already had uh, some uh, some deaths in 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 farming in southern Ontario. We we having more would be devastating for for Canada's reputation. And I think that's why I'm I'm happy you brought that up, Sylvan, because I think that's why people have a hard time swallowing part of uh, the three point plan to reduce reduce the transmission of COVID-19 that the government released last week, which uh, includes allowing asymptomatic cases to continue working. Are they not looking at the bigger picture here, the possible spread, not only to all workers, uh, but the the global uh, optics of this? So I think Queen's Park has done a good job providing a, a, a strategy to, uh, to the sector. Uh, the, the, the thing about farming is that it's really far. 
it, to monitor everything and anything is very difficult and challenging for a government, for OMAFRA, for inspectors uh, working with farmers. Uh, you need discipline. And, and that's why I think the president of the UIFA, Keith Curry, last week actually wrote an op-ed saying to its members, we need to do better. Because it's really the only way to do it is to make sure that farmers take C-19 very seriously. And because it is outside uh, and risks are lower, farmers tend perhaps, and this is just a, 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 a comment, I think that some some farmers may not have taken C-19 very seriously, but they haven't considered risks uh, beyond the field in bunk houses and and having migrant workers in transit uh, transiting together. And so those are and this is the same scenario that which happened in High River in Alberta, which is which became the largest outbreak in the country with Cargill. I mean, over fourteen hundred cases. Well, Sylvain, I got to stop you because, I mean, we had all the hallmarks, all the signs of this. How can you not take it seriously? You just brought up Cargill. We know about the long-term care homes. It's all about putting people very closely together in cramped living conditions or working spaces. I I mean, it's not like this was any kind of surprise. I'm surprised because I thought that they had this under control because when we started talking about migrant workers come in, we were hearing about 14 day quarantines. We were hearing about re uh, configuring bunkhouses. We were hearing about municipalities stepping in and, and uh, putting even more restrictions on farmers. Yeah. Well, so with Cargill, I, this is, this is my guess is that they saw uh, w- the working environment being, being very different uh, at Cargill. It's a close facility uh, out in fields in, in Windsor, Sussex, it's out there. It's open. But the reality is that the virus does spread as a result of, of where migrant workers actually live and how they transit from where they live to where they work. And that's exactly what happened in High River. So that's the common don- the denominator between the two situations. Okay, so let me just bring this up in, in, in closing here because I've kept you for a long time, Sylvain. If we don't do something and more and more uh, migrant workers get sick at these farms of COVID-19, because we're talking about out of 450 uh, workers, there were 175 cases. Um, if we have to, if, if most of the workers are sick and they can't work, this is a hypothetical, what happens then? Is there is there a... Is there a backup plan? Could we bring in Canadians to teach them how to farm that quickly? Or is this so skilled that we're going to be at a huge loss? Well, it's happening across the country. I'm not exactly sure how successful some of the farms in that area are attracting Canadians. But I can tell you, Nova Scotia, we have attracted some Canadians to work out in fields, not not in droves. I mean, it's it's been very difficult to get that to get uh, people uh, who live in cities to go out and live on farms for a while. Uh, Quebec has been somewhat successful. I think it has attracted over 500 uh, Quebecers out in fields uh, on a full-time basis. Uh, you have to work at it. Uh, it's, it. These are not attractive attractive jobs. Uh, migrant workers come to Canada to make a living and to help their families back home. Like I said, I think... Um, the number one priority should be the lives uh, and health of, of these migrant workers, uh, but also what we need to keep in mind is the reputation of our country. And right now, what's happening in that region is affecting 
well, our reputation. All right, Sylvan, I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to wish you a happy Canada Day. Enjoy. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Cheers. That's Sylvan Charlebois.